Christmas. <laughs> Welcome to those who are joining us in the sanctuary today. It's wonderful to be able to celebrate Jesus' birth all together. I have a question for you. How many of you have received Christmas cards in the mail this season? All right. How many of you have sent Christmas cards this season? They're a lot of work, aren't they? <laughs> One year, a friend of mine was bemoaning her Christmas cards because she had these two adorable children, and she dressed them up in their cutest Christmas outfits, and she situated them by the lit Christmas tree, and she tried to have them pose for a picture, but they were having none of it. And they'd absolutely thrown a fit the whole time she was trying to take pictures, and as a result, the very best picture that she ended up with was one where her son had two fingers up his nose. So finally, she gave up, just grumbling, I guess, no Christmas cards this year. But then the next day, when both her kids were in grubby play clothes, and the house was littered with toys, and their hair was standing up on end, and their faces were smeared with chocolate, her son crawled into the little sled underneath the Christmas tree, and his baby sister climbed into his lap, and he held her in his arms, and the two of them looked at a picture book telling the story of the birth of Jesus. And my friend snapped pictures wildly, all the time moaning, why couldn't you do this yesterday? <laughs> but she took the pictures, and she sent the cards anyway, tufted hair, grubby faces and all, calling the picture an honest Christmas. <laughs> and I absolutely loved it. Because real life is messy. But in the middle of that less than perfect picture was a picture of what was true. A stolen moment of that little boy's genuine love for his baby sister. And it was beautiful in a way that no perfect picture ever could have been. An honest Christmas. A real Christmas. Now everybody knows that perfect Christmas card world doesn't actually exist, right? No matter how many of those cards you get in the mail, nobody recognizes those children. <laughs> the flawless scenes we try to depict are not reality. And how much more powerful is a picture of true love smack in the middle of a less than perfect world? Because isn't the less than perfect world the one that needs love the most? And that's what Christmas is actually all about. It's about God's love breaking into our messy world. And I think we often do ourselves a disservice this time of year because so often in trying to create something that we think is more beautiful than reality, we miss the true and more meaningful beauty that's only found in the real life mess. Our culture, we've made an art of beautifying the Christmas story, if it's remembered at all, among the other flashier commercial stories. And it's really kind of interesting when you think about this. Enter in again to perfect Christmas card world. And in it you will see the quaint stable and smell the sweet breath of the animals and feel the soft, warm hay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Have these people ever been in a barn? Do you know what manure smells like? And in what world is the breath of animals sweet? <laughs> you think about the honest Christmas scene, there was very little that was beautiful about it. In fact, it was pretty horrible. Here is this nine months pregnant woman of a lower class, her protector and husband-to-be a hard-working carpenter, and Joseph is being forced by the occupying army to travel to his family hometown to be counted for the sake of the Roman census. 
So the occupying army can keep tabs on their numbers for two reasons. First of all, to make sure they know the size of the potential resistance in case of a rebellion. And secondly, to accurately be able to know how many people they should be taxing, just to make sure they don't miss out on taking anybody's money. That's why Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. Doesn't sound quite as romantic, does it? He had no choice but to go and to represent his family. But you would think that he would leave Mary at home. I mean, nine months pregnant is not anyone's favorite time to take a 97-mile, multiple-day, 33-hour donkey ride over rocky terrain, right? So why would Joseph bring Mary at a time like this? Well, I think that question opens a window into just how hard this situation must have been for Mary. Because it was widely known that the child that Mary was carrying was not Joseph's. And I'm guessing the reason Joseph took Mary with him was that giving birth in a strange place among strangers with only Joseph to help would be easier on Mary than facing the shunning and the shaming of their village without him there to defend her. I mean, compare those two options, 97 miles on a donkey or home in bed to give birth. (laughs) The fact that they both chose this trek to Bethlehem says a lot, doesn't it? That before Jesus was even born into this world, he was misunderstood and rejected, as were Mary and Joseph, who trusted in God's promise to them. And Joseph must have been frustrated at his powerlessness to protect Mary from this journey. But both of them staying home was not an option. Leaving her alone was not an option, and so they went together. And all that traveling must have started things moving because soon after they reached Bethlehem, Mary was in active labor, and no matter how frantic Joseph's efforts, no one would take them in. The best he could do for them to put a roof over their heads to give Mary even a small bit of privacy was a barn behind the inn. So close, yet so far. So far away from everyone she knew, with no midwife, no mother, with only Joseph to help, Mary, among the cows and the manure and the feed, had her baby. The baby that God proclaimed through an angel who would be the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, born in filth and poverty alone. This is not lovely, it's awful. Could you imagine Mary's feelings, Joseph's frustration and his shame? How could God let this happen? To them, of all people, not even a cradle for the baby. They had to put the baby in a feed box, which shows they're a pretty creative couple. They can think on their feet. But why would God allow his son to be born into the world in such terrible conditions? Had God forgotten about them? Why was the king of kings not born in a palace, or at least a place with a door? As familiar as we are with the pretty, softly glowing Christmas card scene, real Christmas, honest Christmas, is not a pretty picture, it's a shocking one of the world's lack of compassion for people in need. There is absolutely no special treatment here. The Son of God receives only what compassion the world will give to one poor, unconnected family of strangers, and this is how Jesus enters our world. The same Jesus who would eat with tax collectors and prostitutes, who would reach out to touch lepers and compassionate healing, who would challenge the powerful by speaking the truth in love, 
who would notice and comfort those who no one else seemed to even notice. Can you see the foreshadowing of who Jesus will be right here, even in his birth? How God's love would be shown in this Jesus? This is real love that enters into the middle of a very broken world, a world that very badly needs a savior. But real Christmas is just shocking enough to us that we have a hard time accepting it. We think, well, that's not good enough. Jesus should have been born into beauty. He deserves that much. So we rewrite the story in our minds to be beautiful, all that lovely hay, nice and warm. But let's face it, folks, sticking a pregnant woman in with the cows is never a compliment. And in trying to make it out to be something it isn't, we miss the powerful point of what it means, that this king will be for the people who will know suffering and joy and the best and the worst of all that humankind has to offer. This is a king who came to be God with us. And that truth is so deeply beautiful. Why do we try to cover it over with shiny tinsel? I think the closest I can get to answering that comes from the hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, where we sing, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. I think that songwriter was brilliant because truly an earth-shattering thing happened in that stable. Something that if we could truly grasp what it meant, we would tremble in fear and cry awestruck tears. And if we don't approach this story with some holy fear, we don't understand what happened here. God laid down everything for us. And that's what terrifies us. You see, there's something in us that is soothed by thinking that Almighty God isn't really all that interested in us doesn't really understand us, doesn't really care about our hearts or who we are or what we do with our lives. Because then we can find some little backwater town and by living a quiet life go unnoticed by God. But the real story of Christmas shows us we cannot hide from this God. We can't avoid God by avoiding palaces or churches because he shows up in the barn behind the motel. How about that? We are why he came. Born not behind the closed doors of a pristine palace, but in an open air barn, open to every shepherd boy and waif, every curious Roman soldier, every child who just happens to wander in, to everyone who will seek him. He came accessible to kings and shepherds and you and me. There are no closed doors, not with this Jesus. And we see this, Because right about this time when Mary and Joseph were starting to wonder if they'd just imagined all of God's promises to them, a group of wild-eyed shepherds stumbled into the barn. The shepherds were chew-spitting, rough, hard-as-nails herdsmen who this season of the year sleep around the campfire watching for predators as their herds were grazing. And shepherds were not people one would expect to invite to a baby shower. But these are those who Almighty God chooses for his welcoming party. The very first people to get the announcement through a sky full of terrifying angels, God sent the message that the Messiah, a Savior, has been born for you. And he tells them, go and find him. He's in a feed box. (laughs) And bewildered, they go and they find him. 
These men knew hard work. They defended their sheep from lions and wild dogs with slingshots and with their bare hands. And yet they also knew how to care gently for soft and skittish defenseless lambs. Who better to watch over the Lamb of God? These shepherds would not be welcome in Jerusalem or in the palace or in the pristine halls of the temple, but they were summoned and given immediate access to the bedside of the king of kings. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Isn't it appropriate that the one they now guard will one day lay down his life for them and for you and for me? I want you to imagine for a moment this crew that God put together to each play a part in the story of Jesus coming to us. Mary's relative Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah of the priestly class sheltered Mary for a time early in her pregnancy. Mary was a peasant girl and Joseph a working class carpenter who would receive him. Those rough-neck shepherds, fresh from the fields, would come to guard him. And later, magi, rich seers from the pagan nations of the earth would come to honor him. So gathered into this story of Jesus' arrival are the rich, the poor, the wise, the uneducated, the powerful, the overlooked, the priestly and the questionable, those who tended the temple and those who tended the sheep. And what does that tell us? This Savior is for everyone, even you. Maybe this year Christmas hasn't seemed very real to you. Maybe the perfect celebration that you were planning on having fell through, and things that you looked forward to have changed in ways that leave you feeling flat and longing for things to be different. Maybe your life just seems messy and broken, and all the beautiful hymns and the songs and the lights and the decorations just seem to put that reality in stark contrast with what you wish life was. Maybe you wonder, would God even want to meet me here with the kind of mess that I am? If that's where you are today, I have good news for you. God didn't send his son into perfect Christmas card world. He sent Jesus into this one, into yours into this broken, messy, heartbreaking, sometimes cruel one. And he came prepared to find you, not in your most polished holiday pose, but right where you are, grubby and tired and real. And that's such good news. Because it takes a lot of courage to welcome people into your mess, doesn't it? Usually we only invite people in after we've done a thorough cleanup job and we can fool them into thinking that we live in perfect Christmas card world. But Jesus doesn't wait for us to clean house. He comes into this world directly into our mess because he knows that's the only way we'll be able to trust that God loves us for real, mess and all. You see, there's a reason God let his son be born into the world like the world's afterthought in the poverty of an old barn, to parents rejected and scorned. There's a reason why the first people invited were about as far from church people as you could imagine. Because God wanted us to see and to know, even in how Jesus came, that there is no place, no mess, into which he won't arrive. There's no place he won't go to be your savior.
Because this king didn't come to rule by power, but by love. And he didn't come to conquer over us, but to win the victory for us by laying down his life on the cross to clean up the mess of our sin and to win for us instead a new beginning in his grace. Jesus comes into our mess on purpose, beloved, because that's where he makes all things new. So today, don't worry about putting together a perfect Christmas card Christmas. Have a real Christmas, an honest Christmas, because your real Savior loves you enough to meet you there. Let every heart prepare him room, even in the middle of your mess, because that's where you'll find him. That's where he finds you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we celebrate today that you came into our world, born into a barn, love with an open doorway for every heart that will seek you. We pray today that you would give us courage to invite you into our mess, knowing that you were already here, and knowing that we're not the first and we won't be the last to celebrate the real joy of your love for us. And thank you for inviting us into your story, Lord. Help us to begin again in relationship with you tonight trusting that your love meets us right where we are. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.